listening to Hope Signals with Mark and Susan Mason, the podcast of Life on the Verge Ministries. Hope Signals is a podcast where we offer practical principles and motivational insights aimed at helping people navigate their hopes and dreams. Well, I hope you had a great Labor Day weekend. It's uh, actually Labor Day while I'm recording this, but I'm not going to put it out until Tuesday. And this will be part two of a series that I'm basing off our song, Your Stay. If you haven't heard the song, you can find it on YouTube. I'll put the link in the description here. But it was a song I really felt like the Lord gave me. It's got a lot of biblical context to it. Uh, right after we all got shut down back in March, and with your help, we were able to do a, a professional recording of it and a lyric video that we will be sending out to prisons, but we put it out there for whosoever will as well. Um, the first part of the chorus says that I'll be your rock. Now, let me give some context to this or some, yeah, I guess context is the word, uh, to the song. You know, it says, I'll be your rock. I'll be your fortress. It's kind of like the Lord speaking to us. But then again, um, how is the Lord sometimes our rock and our fortress? Well, he uses the body of Christ. So we should all be representing Christ to one another the best that we can. We should be to one another what Christ is to us uh, through the power that works in us, right? So it can kind of go both ways. But anyway, the first part was about God is my rock. And we talked about that being a high place, how God pulls us out of the pits of life. Sometimes they're self-inflicted pits. You know, God says, hey, there's no condemnation. Just reach out and I'll pull you up out of that pit and I'll give you the high ground. Sometimes there are others inflicted pits. Sometimes people kick us into the pit and God is saying, hey, I got your back. Revenge belongs to me. I'm your vindication. You can combat this offense that you've 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 uh, encountered with forgiveness. I'll give you the power to do that. And I'll pull you out of the pit and give you the high ground. And then there's the incidental pits of life, the ups and downs, the mood swings, the the tragedies of life that are unavoidable, the pressure pressures of life. We we can look to, to the Lord and he'll say, Hey, look, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And he'll pull us out of that pit. He'll give us eternal perspective. You know, I, I can't think of a better illustration off the top of my head than, you know, I know I bring up what happened to my brother a lot, but listen, that was a pit. Now, if I didn't have the Lord as my rock to reach out to, the old me would have sought revenge and it would have, it would have landed me perhaps in prison or dead over that. But God was able to pull me out of that pit and give me a high ridge to stand on and see the eternal perspective and say, you know what? This is just a brief point in time. Think about eternity. Think about how I want you to respond to this. God gives us that that high ground to see things from an eternal perspective sometimes. We talked about Psalm 40, uh, where David writes, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in him. Isn't that amazing that, um, wow, I, I think it was David that wrote this psalm. Regardless, the psalmist is saying, I waited patiently for God, and he heard me. He pulled me out of the pit. 
And then he goes on to say, many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. And here we are thousands of years later, seeing and respecting or fearing, having reverence for the Lord and putting our trust in him because of what this person encountered. People will see what we go through. They'll see God pull us out of these pits. They'll see God give us wisdom to navigate the trials of life, and it'll cause them to have a reverence for God and perhaps put their trust in Him. David said that, or again, I think it was most likely David that wrote Psalm 40. He said, I waited patiently. And that word in the Hebrew means to hope with eager expectation. And I want to key in on the word hope for a minute as we go into part two of this series, which the song, Your Stay, says, I'll be your fortress. We'll get there in a minute. But let me just ramble for a second. I got up this morning... And I was pondering my life's purpose, as I do, our ministry efforts in particular. Uh, my temptation is to be distracted by social media, which, by the way, do you, you know what social media can be? It can just be an endless stream of suggestions on how you should think. And uh, it steers our thoughts in so many ways. And it was engineered to do that. It was engineered to keep our eyeballs glued to it so that they can sell advertising, so they can study us. And uh, again, money being the bottom line. It's a great servant. It's a terrible master. And we, we can all fall into endless scrolling and our mood just shifts from one thing to the other. We see a comment. We see something that arouses anger. And uh, it's just crazy. It can be a terrible distraction for me. And by the grace of God, it's 9.31 this morning, and I have not checked my email. I have not checked social media. Another distraction is the 24-7, 365 news. And again, it's not really news most of the time. It's here's a brief snippet of news, and here's another 23 hours and 45 minutes of us telling you how to think about the news. (laughs) You know? And so it can be a terrible distraction. So I asked myself this morning, what if none of these existed, as was the case about 25 years ago or so? The internet wasn't out there for us. What would I be doing with the precious time God has afforded me? You know, I ponder these things sometimes in the morning. And I got out my legal pad and I wrote, what problem am I trying to solve? Now, that's a common question that every Christian, every uh business owner especially, it's it's a question we should ask. Even with this podcast, what problem am I trying to solve? What am I what solution am I trying to offer? And so this led me to reflect on the times when I felt like we scattered seed on good soil. I thought about Jesus and you know his uh, parable of the sower and how that sower went out and just slung seed all over the place. And most of it didn't fall on good soil, but some of it fell on soil that produced a lot of fruit. And so I'm always looking, well, I I don't want to just randomly scatter seed. If if I know there are places where I've seen some fruit, I want to put more effort in that direction. And uh, so I began to reflect on when did I feel like, man, we were just hitting the sweet spot. You know what I'm saying? You guys that have ever hit a baseball or a tennis ball, you know, that racket or that bat, when you hit the sweet spot, you can hardly feel the vibration uh, in the in the instrument, whether it's a batter or a tennis racket, but that ball just flies. And so where is that sweet spot? You know, and for us, I, I really honestly can say that when we 
stood personally in front of a crowd of crowd of inmates and uh, we brought joy to their heart you know we we brought hope to the despised um i had and then you know here i am just rambling some more i had to ask myself well was it the sense of gratitude that they were offering scratching my ego was it the applause because man there is no better crowd to perform for even my son who has performed for some pretty magnificent crowds in his rock star career will say that the best crowds he's ever played for has been inmates there's such a level of gratitude there well we sure hope to be back in front of the those crowds again soon but we don't know so right now you're helping us do what the apostle paul did when he wanted to be with one of the churches he had planted but he couldn't be there uh he wrote them a letter we send them video you help us to do that and so we don't get quite the ego strokes that we would get from the loud applause and sense of appreciation when we perform live. But, you know, is that really it? Is that why we do what we do? And then, you know, I said, yeah, it's it's some of that. Of course it is. Who does it? I mean, I've said before, I, I imagine if Jesus, when he was a carpenter, made a great table, he didn't mind people making a big deal over it. So there's nothing wrong with making much of your ministry or your talent. Your, just, just be on guard of selfish ambition and too much of that ego that can be harmful. Uh, but it really was the sense that we're hitting the sweet spot, that the seed we're scattering is falling on good soil. We're offering something to these inmates that they don't get on a regular basis. There's not a lot of people that do what we do. I mean, there's a lot of prison ministry volunteers, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of different expressions, but there's not a lot that come in and do what we do. You know, we bring our own sound system. We want it to have high-quality sound. We use professional backing tracks or professional musicians that accompany us. We play songs that they are familiar with with the intent of entertaining them, you know, we, we play songs by the you know the Eagles or or Stevie Ray Vaughan or you know uh, Almond Brothers or John Mayer or you know Miranda Lambert or Chris Stapleton songs that they're going to appreciate that have moral decent messages. Um, not every Christian ministry that comes in approaches it that way, so we're able to effectively build a bridge with entertainment and then. When they see that we've come to give them something, not just try to scratch our ego and say, look what we did, but we really do want to bring our best. We rehearse really hard to give them a remarkable entertainment segment to what we do, and then we can begin to share our testimony. We can edify the church and evangelize the lost, and that's what we do. We slowly push that accelerator toward projecting the gospel as we build that bridge. And so it is, you know, I know it's something that's remarkable to them. They don't get every day. They don't get that kind of ministry. And so there is a sense that we are really doing something that's helping solve a problem. It's bringing hope to the hopeless. So this, all of this led me to, I'm not boasting in what we do because it's when I say what we do, it's what we do, all of you that support what we do. We are interdependent upon those that donate to our men. We can't make anybody give. We don't have some secret sugar daddy pumping money into what we do. Sometimes we operate on a shoestring budget, but it's, it's and ultimately it's God working through all of us anyway to do anything significant. We can do nothing apart from him uh, that has bearing 
uh, on eternity. You know, Jesus said that in John 15. We have to stay connected to the vine, interdependent upon one another. So all of this led me to further, I'm going somewhere with this, bear with me, to ponder, well, what do I believe? What are the foundations for why we do what we do? Well, I wrote down, well, I believe the gospel still changes people. I believe that the gospel still turns hardened criminals into fruit-bearing messengers of the gospel. And I don't mean it turns everybody into a preacher, but I get to see it up close. I get to see guys that were in prison for murder, and now they're out running successful businesses, raising successful families, and declaring the power of Christ. I get to see that on a regular basis. The gospel changed me. I pray it changed you. And I know it still changes people. I believe that love changes people. You know, there are some people that have never experienced genuine love. I believe that hope changes people. I believe that faith changes people. Of course, this made me think, I wrote all that down. It made me think of the scripture. Well, didn't Paul say that? In 1 Corinthians 13, he talks all about love, and he says at the end of it, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. So here's where I'm going with all of this. There's a proverb, I don't have the reference in front of me, but it's one of my favorites, I should. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. It's impossible to act in faith and project love if you don't have hope. And let me tell you this, the God of this world is out to steal, kill, and destroy your hope. Our hope is assaulted every single day as he tries to make us feel hopeless. This world is hopeless. Everything is hopeless. Why try? You see, if he can steal your hope, then you can't live by faith and you can't project love to other people. So, How do we replenish our hope? How do we restore our hope when we're feeling hopeless? Now, I'll begin by saying one of the first things we need to do sometimes is cut off the endless stream of hopelessness being projected by this world system. Sometimes that can be through the news. It can be through people you're spending time with. It can be through social media, things that are just stirring hopelessness, making us feel, why try? Uh, This world's going to hell in a handbasket anyway. How do we? Sometimes we cut off the source of hopelessness, but let's go back to our song, Your Stay, and where I'm drawing this from, the, the, the chorus says, I'll be a rock that you can stand on. I'll be your fortress in the fray. In Psalm 91, uh, verse 1, David writes, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, you are my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. This word refuge actually means a place of hope and shelter. The word fortress means a, a, a place, a stay. It means a stay, a stronghold. And I love this definition. These are from the actual Hebrew. It means an inaccessible place. Friends, there is a hiding place from this crazy world. David wrote in Psalm 32, 7, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Sometimes we need more than church on Sunday. 
Sometimes for me, honestly, church can be a distraction. I mean, I love modern church. It's great. but And even, even ancient church, there's a lot of distraction. There's a lot of bells and whistles and loud music and video and people. And there's a lot of distractions. Sometimes we need more than just church on Sunday, as great as church on Sunday can be. Sometimes we need more than prayer during our morning commute with the radio going or whatever. Sometimes we need more than a quick devotional. Sometimes we need the bathroom floor. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Back in the, I guess it was the early 2000s, I experienced a, a wound, a deep, deep wound uh, from somebody that I'd reached out. Actually, it wasn't the person that I'd reached out to and ministered to. There was somebody that came alongside us in ministry and was just overly helpful. I mean, they they just poured themselves out to make, make a difference in what we were doing in youth ministry and young adult ministry, uh, so much so that it made me suspicious of their motives. You know, that I could tell. I've seen those people in ministry that just want to get up up against somebody uh, that has, you know, a name or authority in a place. You know, the teacher's pet kind of thing. And I could kind of see that, but that's okay. I wanted to, you know, love that person through, you know, even though I could see that. You know, there's sometimes insecurity drives that. This particular person had deep father wounds, and they looked to me as a father. And of course, my family was warning me. They could see it, but I could too, but I was trying to extend some space and grace. Well, in the end, you know, I didn't let this person in too far. You know, Jesus, uh, there is a scripture where he talks about that he wouldn't he wouldn't let people in too far because he knew the heart of men. Um, and so I, I could see that and so I was very cautious. Well, sure enough, when I finally had to confront this person um, and and offer some correction over an issue, uh, they just went haywire. And here's where the wound came in. Uh, they, because they were a very type A, charismatic personality, they drew a number of people, that person drew a number of people into our youth group. They were very evangelistic. And they drew one young lady who had no background in the gospel whatsoever, and she came to the Lord, and God was changing her. And uh, she was such a sweet person. Well, through this this person's wound, this charismatic person's wound, they corrupted that person and drew them out of church and uh, out of fellowship, and, and it just broke my, that's what broke my heart more than anything. They were wrongly accusing me uh, of things and actually going public and starting to... I, I actually eventually had to make a phone call to this person's parents and let them know, threaten legal action because they were defaming my character in the community over this. And man, that hurts when you're really, you know, all that we, we'd gone through, what, you know, happened to my brother, and we, we weathered a lot of trials to do what we were doing to try to help young people. Uh, and yet here we were uh, being falsely accused and just publicly crucified by this individual. And it, and that, again, the person that they, the people that they were affecting and drawing out of church with their wound, their hurt, was just hurting me all the more. And so it was a very, very deep wound. We've all been stabbed in the back, and this was clearly uh, a huge dagger in the back that I could weather. Seeing this one young lady uh, losing fellowship with the body of Christ as a new Christian, that just ripped me open. And so I found myself 
in a place where I have had my hope restored more than once, and that was on a bathroom floor. You know, I had a family, and so uh, I wasn't going to fall out on the living room and, and weep before them, but I would go in the bathroom, and I would shut the door, and I would just fall on my face before God. It was my hiding place. It was my fortress. It was the inaccessible place where God saw it all, and I could just pour my heart out to Him. And you know, one day I did that. I went in there, and I just felt the Holy Spirit grieving through me. It was as if God was agreeing with me, saying, my heart also breaks for this young lady that's fallen out of fellowship. And it was it was just a healing place for sure, because I got up from there, and around that same time, I don't know if it was the same day, I wrote a song called Wounded. And, and here's, here's how I was feeling. I'm going to read these lyrics to you. Uh, and this is, it's okay to find that fortress, that inaccessible place where God can restore your hope, to weep before the Lord, to open yourself up before the Lord and let Him bear your burdens. Cast your cares on Him. Uh, the lyrics say, I'm far from perfect, I admit. Sometimes I feel I just don't fit and wonder why you keep me here. And then I hear you gently say that you once walked this narrow way, and I will never be more like you. And by that I meant I'll never be more like you than when I'm falsely accused and wounded by those I thought I could trust. The chorus says, Daddy, these wounds are deep and wide, and I am bleeding from the inside as everyone laughs along. You know, sometimes people on the outside... They don't get it. We need that hiding place. We need that fortress that is our God, that inaccessible secret place, the Bible calls it, where it's just me and the Lord. The second verse says, I'm undeserving of your grace. I'd surely quit this sacred race for want of comforts life affords. I have lost the will to fight, and few be those who see my plight, but we have crossed this way before. This was me just... I'm being public with you. I don't even know if I've ever explained the background of this song, but that's, that's where these words came from. And in the chorus, at least to this, or the bridge says this, Take me now to the cross. Judge my motives and my thoughts. Take me now to the tree. And if there's any wicked way in me, make me holy. Make me holy. You see, it landed on me repenting of, look, I know I'm not perfect. Lord, forgive me. Help me not to be too judgmental. You're my vindication. You're the one that is, revenge belongs to you. Man, we need these bathroom floors. We, wherever your place is, you know, uh, I had a, I, I still go there once in a great, great while when I'm, when I have the opportunity. There is a particular pew at a particular church where I underwent uh, some of the deepest trials of my life. And I would climb up into the balcony, and I would get on my knees uh, in this particular pew, and I would just pour my heart out to God. This was just a physical representation of my hiding place. That hiding place, that fortress, can be anywhere. But for me, it was the bathroom floor, and sometimes this pew. Sometimes it was a floor in the basement of the church that I was at. Sometimes a physical place helps, a place of identity. This is, this is where I run to when I need my hope restored. Can I tell you that, that uh, when we do that, God does restore our hope. It's Psalm 23 talks about, David says, He restores 
my soul. There's been times when I've had to escape to the mountains by myself just to find that fortress who is my God, to get alone, to get away from the distractions and the noise. There's nothing wrong with that. We need that. Sometimes we just need to lay all the distractions and burdens down and go find that place where God can restore our hope. And then we need to get up and do what the psalmist said, I will say of the Lord, regardless of my circumstances, regardless of how I feel, my ears will hear my mouth say, you are my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I will trust. That word meaning to be bold, confident, secure, sure, careless, to put my confidence in God, to put my hope in God. I need to hear, my mouth needs to hear my ears say, I don't care what I'm going through, I will trust in you, God. I will put my hope in you, God. You know, the Bible is full of people that underwent tremendous trials, but they found their hope by running to the fortress that is our God. In the midst of the fray, I'll be your fortress in the fray, our song says. The fray, the battle of life, it is a battle of, of, of a spiritual battle, sometimes a physical battle. Um, we, we need that secret place, that hiding place. I'll close with uh, uh, Habakkuk. Uh, don't have the chapter in front of me. It's the last chapter of Habakkuk, one of my favorite passages. Uh, this is in the middle of, of chaos. Uh, Babylon, Babylonia is about to take over Jerusalem, Israel, and they're marching toward the city. And Habakkuk knows they're going to be taken captive. And, he, and this, is, this is a prayer. He says, Lord, in verse 2, I have heard of your fame. I stand in all of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. I want you to imagine what he's going through. A foreign invader is about to overtake his land. You know, who knows? One day in our lifetime, it could happen in the United States. We take God's protection for granted, but look at the chaos that we're going through and the threats that we face, the chaos of this world. Imagine, you know, when I was a kid, I would get woken up many Saturday mornings because of this huge air raid siren at a park down the street from where I live that would go off. It was a test of how they would warn us if there was a nuclear attack. Some of you are old enough to remember the drills in school where you'd have to crawl under your desk just in case there was an attack. Like those desks were going to protect you from uh, nuclear attack. That's kind of hilarious. Uh, but here was Habakkuk who knew the air raids are going off. And he's praying, Lord, in wrath, remember mercy. But here's how he closes the book. He said in verse 16, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. This is one of the most powerful passages of Scripture. He says, Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord 
is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. He's saying, no matter what's going on in this crazy world, God, you are my rock. God, you are my fortress. I will put my trust in you. So let me just encourage you. Listen, no matter what you're going through right now, it could be family trials. It could be just a sense of hopelessness because of all the chaos going on in the world. Listen, this world is not our fortress. Your finances are not your fortress. Politics is not your fortress. God is your fortress, your secret place where you can go, the inaccessible place where it's just you and the Lord, and you can cast your cares on Him, and you can have your hope restored. And with restored hope, you'll be able to live by faith and project the love of God to this crazy world around you. So I pray that for you. I pray it for me. I have to regularly find that secret place where I just offer myself to God. I just pour myself out to God. And I say, Lord, help me be a light in this dark world. Help me be a voice of hope in this light world. Help help me in this dark world. Help me to live by faith and project your love in the midst of the fray. Well, let me pray for you right now. Lord, I thank you that you are our ever-present help in time of need, that we can boldly come before your throne of grace in time of need and find mercy. You know the God of this world is always trying to steal, kill, and destroy our hope. And I would just pray that the listener, if they're going through a trial where their hope is under assault and they're feeling hopeless, that today they would find you as their fortress, that inaccessible place where they can cast their cares, where they can offer their burdens, and they can have their hope restored so that they just they wouldn't just survive the trials of life, but they would thrive in the middle of them. And in the face of trial, in the face of adversity, they would live by faith and project your love to the world around them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Hope Signals. You can learn more about us at lifeontheverge.com. We're a completely donor-funded ministry that carries the good news to prisons around the United States. You can help us by sharing this podcast, by partnering with us with a tax-deductible gift at lifeontheverge.com, or by even talking to your leader or pastor about having us come and minister. Thank you for letting us be just another voice of inspiration in your journey.